All right, that was awesome. Krista is a Timothy Christian graduate. She was the alumni of the year, I believe, in 2018. I believe our former uh, retired pastor, Mr. Reverend Samai, introduced us to her. And it's been a great relationship so far. It's been a lot, of, a lot of fun to be involved with what they're doing in Kenya, Africa. A couple of announcements to share with you this morning. Tuesday night, right here on this stage, we're going to have a prayer time. We had one about a month ago. We're going to do it again. So I invite you to come. I can tell you right now that the kingdom of God will not advance without prayer. Right? If we're not praying, the kingdom of God doesn't advance. The things we're trying to do in the world without the power of God won't happen. So I hope you'll... Consider that worth your time to come on 7 o'clock Tuesday night and join us here and pray together. Also, I talked about refugee, African refugees maybe about a month and a half ago in a sermon. I finally have an orientation date on the calendar. So December the 5th, before the service at 9, 8.45, 8.45 a.m. in the garden room, we'll have visitors here from World Relief telling us how we can get involved in maybe uh, adopting a family and taking a family from Afghan, Afghanistan here and walking with them into a new life. So if you're interested in that, I know many of you have been emailing me. I'll email the details. It'll be publicized, but December the 5th before the service in the garden room, okay? All right, we're going to dig into the Word of God now. We're going to hear some stories from some missionaries. We're going to hear a little bit from the Word of God, and we're going to take on this journey, hopefully to inspire you. All right, let's pray together before we get started. Let's pray. So Jesus, um, it's super inspiring to see uh, people on the mission of God. I pray today, Lord, that as we listen to these stories and think about missions, that you would inspire us in our own context where we live, work, and play to be your missionaries in the world, whatever that looks like for each one of us. We're not all going to move to Africa but, Lord, we all live in a neighborhood, and we all go to school and work. So, Lord, give us inspiration. Give us words from your Holy Spirit, teaching us and speaking to us about what we can do to join your mission in the world. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. So these first three weeks in November, we're going to be digging into the book of Ezekiel. Today we're going to dig into only one verse, because it's Mission Sunday. We want to tell some stories, but... I'll start with this. When we first moved into our house in Wheaton, our most recent house we live in, um, the basement walls had some major gaps in them. I can tell you every time it rained in uh, this area, when we first moved, the first year we lived there, because of the gaps in the walls, water would not just seep through the walls, it would kind of pour through the walls. And if it rained really hard, it was almost like someone installed a faucet in the wall and it would just pour out of the wall and fill the basement with water. It was really kind of crazy. If you look at Webster's Dictionary and you look up the word gap, a gap is defined this way, an open or empty space in or between things. A gap represents a place of weakness, vulnerability, and danger. It is a defenseless location of exposure and limitation. Our passage today, Ezekiel 22:30, talks about gaps. It's going to be on the screen. It reads like this. So I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. This is God speaking through Ezekiel, the prophet. He's, this passage is set around 590 B.C. It's a terrible time in Israel's history. There's really a lot of spiritual apostasy the mighty nation of Babylon is threatening to overtake Jerusalem and Judah. The people are scared. The leaders are scared. The leaders are turning on their own people. 
The priests are using this time to take advantage of people. The poor are being trampled. The vulnerable are being forgotten. Uh, Everyone is telling, these false prophets are telling everyone, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Just hang in there. God's with us. He's going to take care of it. They're lying to the people. And God is looking for someone who will stand in this gap, this weak point, this vulnerable spot, and rebuild the wall of righteousness in the land. He's looking for someone to stand there. And he can't, can't find anybody. Now this gap idea is not a new idea in Scripture. Abraham stood in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis when he prayed, God, if there's five righteous people, will you save those cities? Yeah. Moses stood in the gap for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai when he stood there saying to God, look, I know they built this golden calf. I know they're totally out of control. But God, you can't destroy them because they're your people. What will people say? The Good Samaritan parable is a great stand-in-the-gap parable where this Good Samaritan comes along, he sees this guy on the side of the road just broken and messed, and instead of walking on by and ignoring this weak, vulnerable person, he steps up, picks him up, bandages his wounds, takes care of him, and he stands in the gap for that person. Human life is full of gaps. We know this, right? We can just look at our own lives. This is true in our own homes, our own lives, our own hearts. For some people, the gaps are education. For others, it's opportunity for having a job or a dream. For someone else, there are gaps in daily food and water like we just saw on the screen. Can you imagine going to a hole with muddy water and digging out your water for your shower or for your cooking every day? And then if it didn't rain, there's no water? Whoa. There's emotional gaps There's gaps of safety. There's gaps in medical care. There's gaps in shelter. There's gaps in representation and freedom to pursue your own dreams. And we could go on and on. It's no different today than it was in the time of Ezekiel. There are gaps in people's lives all over the place. And God is looking for someone to stand in the gap, to rebuild the wall of righteousness in the land. You know what that word, wall of righteousness, means? It's the word shalom. He wants us to build wholeness and meaning and fulfillment and purpose in the world. He's looking for some group of people who will do this. I can tell you that today, the people you're going to meet, at some point in their lives, they said yes to God to stand in a gap that they saw. God pointed a gap out to them, a weak point, a vulnerable spot, and they said, yeah, I'm going to go do something about that gap. So I hope you'll be inspired by the stories of these wall rebuilders. Okay, the first two I'm going to call up, uh, Chris Lankamp and Johnny Zayas are here. So do we have Kara's mic? Did you guys get a mic? Kara, we need your mic. Kara steals her mic, wanders off. Speaking of gaps, okay. All right. (laughs) Just kidding, Kara. All right, so this is Chris Lankamp. Our lampstand brother, he was here with us the last time we did Mission Sunday. And this is Johnny Zayas, the pastor of Grace and Peace Church down in Chicago. And we're going we're gonna to hear a little bit about these guys' stories. So the first thing I want to know, guys, you know, because I don't want people to be confused. Are you guys, like, competing with each other? Are you on the same team? Are you working together? What's going on? As, as far as competing with each other, uh, no way. Uh, that, uh, I mean... If, if you're doing ministry in the type of places and type of neighborhoods that uh, uh, Pastor John and I and, and the others work in, 
you can't you can't do it alone you need each other you need to partner and I just want to say that um, there is a there there is a gap and uh, it's called the heroin highway and it's across the west side of Chicago and Jesus needed somebody to fill the north side of that gap and he called Pastor John to fill that gap with the gap the name of his church and he 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 he, he filled he filled that gap of hopelessness poverty uh, and uh, addiction with grace and peace so he you know yeah put your hands together and I met I met Pastor Zaius, uh John, or I call him uh, uh, Hermano Mayor, uh, my big brother. I met my big brother uh, over 20 years ago. My my uh, mentor Juan Flores from Christ Vineyard. As soon as he started mentoring me, he's like, "No more going alone, Chris Langkamp." Okay. So I'm going to start introducing you to the brothers and sisters that you're going to work with for the rest of your life. And so he took me to Grace and Peace when it was on Kedzie Avenue uh, and introduced me to the people there. And I, I, met, I met John. I, I think and I, you introduced us to John. Yeah, and then I introduced you guys to. Right. I had a ponytail at the time. Yep. yep. And uh, this. And your Spanish accent was a little better back then. It's getting a little worse. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a lot worse. Yeah. All right. And I just fell in love. Juan's like, this is a good place to partner with, Chris. And so we started uh, through Christ Vineyard uh, doing food partnerships between the two of us. Uh, furniture partnerships, and then uh, the Lord opened up a huge uh, gap for uh, Grace and Peace to go in called the Revive okay. Center. Stopped right there. Okay, now, I gotta stop Chris. He gets out of control. He's gonna start going nuts here. All right, so <laughs> he's, he's, he's lost his script I sent him. All right, so, so, uh, so Chris. While you guys, while, while all of us out here in the suburbs, we're trying to figure out how to get our, our worship centers open online so we could have people watching at home in their worship. You guys were doing something else, and people took notice. Check this out, folks, on the screens. A, a church in North Austin is helping to answer the growing call of hungry families in need. Now, these pictures that you see right here are just some of the massive amounts of food Grace and Peace Church helps to distribute with Gap Community Center. About 400 families in need every week receive food through their efforts. More than 20 generous food vendors donate anywhere from four to six shipping containers worth of food to the food pantry. Grace and Peace Church Pastor John Zayas says, in the four months since the pandemic caused the need for food to soar, they've helped more than 20,000 families. What an incredible effort and cause. All those volunteers had reaching out so, John, yes, tell us about the Revive Center. What's going on over there at the Revive Center? You're, you're feeding all these <laughs> families. and tell us, First of all, tell us about the building. How did you get there? You used to be on Kedzie. Now you moved over to... 
Yeah, in 2008, we were crazy enough to buy the old Glidden factory. It's a uh, 100-year-old factory in the uh, Austin, North Austin community. And we had the crazy faith to rehab so that thing. Up, the, yeah, so that seat, yeah, that building right there in the corner is the old Gooden factory. This is the project that we're working on now. But that factory right there has been a blessing that God has placed in our heart to build. And we restored it. It's 80,000 square feet. And out of that factory, we did Hurricane Maria. We did Hurricane Harvey. We, did, uh, we were able to ship out uh, goods to Mexico. Um, because of the earthquakes, what God has used that building for, and we call it the Revive Center because we believe in kingdom revival. We believe that God is calling the church of Jesus Christ to do something in the midst of chaos. And what we found ourselves before the pandemic hit, which is, I'm going to give you a plug for Tuesday, before the pandemic hit, before Maria hit, we spent three years in deep prayer and asking God to move us from a place of apathy, from a place where we just didn't do anything as a church. And we wanted to redefine our identity as a church. That if we had the name Grace and Peace, or we call it Gap Center, are we truly filling the gap of places and things in people's lives? And so we spent three years in deep prayer. We took a old room and created a prayer room. They don't, I don't know if they do that in the Christian Reformed Church, but... We're, we're working on it. Okay, I got you. <laughs> so the Revive Center came out of prayer. It really did. It came out of prayer where we said, God, we want to do something bigger than anything. And we were only, maybe, we were losing so many folks. We are 80 people. And we bought this factory. We took everything we had in Humboldt Park, sold it, and bought this factory for $1.2 million. People thought we were nuts. Because it had all kinds of environmental stuff. But what happens when you pray and you ask God to do something special? He gives you a faith beyond what you can even imagine. And with that, the Revive Center was developed. And we started working with what God called us was a mission mindset to be kingdom minded. So, so what's this? It looks like you built the whole like giant thing up here what's going on so what that is again we finished building the revive center and out of the revive center um because of networking and partnerships we build a partnership with by the hand club we put a partnership with intentional sports and we have the crazy idea that if we create ponds to fish and use sports we can still witness and share the gospel of jesus christ and so through sports we're going to uh, begin to, we already started construction, so there's another one where you'll see it's all flat, it's all done, so construction. We've raised $24 million as of today uh, for this project. Uh, $5 million came from uh, um, Chicago Fire, because this is going to be really dominated by soccer and baseball. Jason Hayward, Chicago Cubs, gave us a million dollars. We also have $7 million in new market tax credit. So this whole project is getting funded. But I don't want you to miss this. It's not about the building. It's not about this fancy place. It's about that we, 80 people, took an opportunity and believed God for the most craziest thing. And, be, and, we, and, we, and we wanted to do something in the community that was different. 
We wanted to work with our ex-offenders, our returning citizens. We wanted to work with the ones that are coming across the border from the south. We were saying, okay, we know that there's an issue on the border. We know there's an issue in prison ministries. We know there's all these issues. I, I get the, the scope, the land scope, but can we make a difference? And so instead of fighting everyone for it, while everyone is fighting, we made a way to begin to work with individuals and people. And we changed lives. We have... Uh, uh, an actual uh, food bank because that what you saw was a food bank not a food pantry and we bought our own trucks one of the guys donated a, a truck to us from a company this uh, church bought you a truck and you bought us the truck so we have three trailers three trucks and we have five companies sponsoring it and all this the girl that runs the food uh, the bank she served three years in prison my other guy that works with me served 25 years in prison. The other guy that works with us served 16 years in prison. Families being restored, lives being restored, opportunities being given. All that to say, when all the pandemic hit, and what, what how far are you from here? What, five miles, 10 miles? Maybe 10 miles from here. Maybe 10 miles, 10 miles. Go back a couple of summers ago. When the riots hit, it was only 10 miles from here. And our community was being destroyed. And the whole block was lit up. And I remember going the following day, going to the grocery store. I saw a young man. I said, what are you doing, bro? He goes, I'm going to light this place up. And I looked in his eyes. And what I saw was no hope. And he was 20 years old. He goes, they'll listen to me now. I took that to heart, and I said, we better do something soon, or our community's gone. And that was the only food. If you look at Austin community, if anybody knows Austin, it's a bank shortage, food shortage. There's no grocery stores in there, no banks in the community, none of that. It's always on the outskirts, and that grocery store was one of the biggest ones we had. So we, the, they turned to us and said, can you, we got to rebuild so can you take all this food? We sent all our trailers and all our trucks, picked up all the food, and we stayed open while they were rebuilding for seven months. We were the ones out there every day from Monday through Friday just giving out food and giving out food. I took the sanctuary when the pandemic hit, took all the chairs out, and created a grocery store. Why? Because I believe if I lean into the Lord, he'll lean back. And that's what happened. So you can see Johnny lacks passion. <laughs> He's not that excited about what he's doing, right? So, all right. Hey, it's great to have you guys here. Thanks Thank for you. thanks for coming up. I gotta, I gotta. You got. I, I love to have you keep going, but oh, no, no, you good. can talk to these guys afterwards. They'll be out here to greet with you. But yeah, we've been down there working with them. We went down uh, in January. We painted and we we done lots. It's been great. So hey, good to have you guys here. Thanks. Our next uh, guest is our one of our own, Alan Harima from All God's Children. So he's gonna come up and give us a little update. We are specifically partnering with a, a school called Casa Ayuda, which was started by a woman named Nellie, and Alan's going to, I think, get us going on this journey. You'll call for the video when you're and ready. And i got to follow Johnny. <laughs> I'm thinking back in 1990, I remember Johnny playing baseball in Humble Park, and that's where they ministered to him and uh, became a believer. So, hey, awesome stuff, bro. Uh, so on behalf of Bob Venhausen, myself, the entire 
All God's Children Board, certainly thank you guys for your partnership. Um, it's, it's remarkable to feel the support and affirmation of uh, fellow brothers and sisters from your home church. So uh, All God's Children, currently we're uh, supporting seven different ministries, one of which is Casa Ayuda. Casa Ayuda means house of help. And um, <clears throat> so when we first started, All God's Children through 1990s was in desperate need of money. We did not have enough money to support an orphanage that we were supporting. But then early 2000, we started to have a little bit more money than what we would send them on a monthly basis. We thought, wow, this is different. What do we do now, you know? And we didn't want to be like the guy in the Bible, you know, he had plenty of crops and then he had a bumper year and so he was going to build bigger barns so that he could just live and party for years to come, you know? He wanted to hold it all for himself. Well, that night he died. We didn't want to be that guy. So we thought, okay, we got to spread our wings a little bit. Let's see who else we can help. We looked and talked to a lot of people. We met Nellie, who was a lady who, at the age of 15, she fell out of a tree, became paralyzed. Most people, if, you be, if you're a special needs person in Honduras, you're like in the back room. There's no support for you. There's no sidewalks, ramps. There's nothing. But her family continued to work with her. She uh, graduated high school. She went to university. She met a young man. They got married. They have three wonderful children. Those three are all married now. Her husband was a biologist and had projects all over Honduras. Hurricane Mitch came and destroyed all those projects. So now they're at ground zero. What do we do? Well, she recalled how God had been so good to her when she was in need, and she knew there were so many people in Honduras that had not, no hope. If you were special needs, there was nothing. So she and her husband started a school, Casa Ayuda. And so when we first met her, she was meeting, at, they were renting a small house, and they had, the classrooms were smaller than our walk-in closets. And so the board of All God's Children said, Alan, go there, find out what we can do to help them, you know. So I asked Nellie, how can we help you, Nellie? You know, I figured, hey, help her a little bit. She says, well, Alan, we need property. And I knew property was ridiculously expensive. I just, it just went in one ear and right out the other. I asked her again like I had never asked before, well, Nellie, how can we help you? I thought, oh, dear. Oh, so I small talked around it, and you know, and third time I asked her, Nellie, how can we help you? I don't know if she started sign languaging to me or what, but finally I just says, oh, Nellie, okay, fine. You know, all we can do is say no. Go find out how much it is. Go investigate and let us know. So sure enough, a month or so later, she calls us and she says she found some property, seventy-five thousand dollars. Well, we were sending like three thousand a month to support this orphanage. I mean, it was. Humanly impossible, not going to happen, can't do it. But at that time, I'd been studying the book of Joshua, right? And Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land. He, he had a million people walking behind him, walking through the wilderness to go to the promised land, and they hit the uh, Jericho River. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan River. River. Hello, trying to get to <laughs> Jericho. Hit the Jordan River. <laughs> Um, 
and it's impossible to cross. It's in the flood stage of the season. They cannot cross. Impossible to cross. Well, he was instructed to keep walking, right? He had to keep walking. He had to get his feet wet before God was going to reveal himself and move the water. We thought, you know what? It's impossible. We don't have dime one. But I think God is calling us to get our feet wet. Let's make a commitment to this lady and see what God's going to do. And sure enough, by the grace of God and because of his generosity, we made a commitment to Nellie. Our board, prayerfully considered, made a commitment to her, and we were able to buy the property. She, have a, she has a spectacular school there, and, um, you know, we helped her build it. We had to put walls around it, the whole nine yards. So uh, I think there's a quick video to show a little bit about Nellie, and then I'll follow up. There's a story about my hobby, so give me a little bit. Todos los días, desde que era una niña chiquilla, ya tenía 15 años, era una muchacha. Y yo subo, me caigo, pero cuando yo intento incorporarme, yo me doy cuenta que las piernas no me responden. Escuché una conversación del médico. Dijo que dos años después yo iba a morir. Yo tengo 38 años de mi accidente hoy. El gran provecho que puede sacar una persona con discapacidades verdaderamente descubrir que uno por sí solo no puede vivir. Y eso yo pienso que es la mayor ganancia que yo puedo tener de mi discapacidad. Aprender a abandonarme en Dios. Porque cuando a uno no le falta nada, hasta a Dios le puede faltar y ni cuenta se da. En cambio, cuando no lo tiene todo, uno sabe que depende totalmente de Jesús. Yo espero en Dios que mientras me dé vida, yo pueda continuar viendo que esto crece, pero más que todo, que los niños están creciendo. So, right, Nellie is uh, a spectacular person to work with. She's vibrant, she's joyful. So COVID hit recently, obviously, Honduras as well. They closed down Honduras. You cannot enter, you cannot leave. The people in Honduras could not leave their house but one day every other week. So it was truly a, a nightmare for them. There's no schools open. So Nellie is trying to work her school uh, virtually. You know, and many of the people, they don't have an iPhone, they don't have uh, uh, Wi-Fi, they can't do it. So she, um, at least what she, so all the teachers are working, they are working virtually, much fewer students, obviously. She's feeding them on a weekly basis, so any help that we get, you guys are helping. We're feeding, the ki feeding the, all the students from the class. Um, she has a new wheelchair, too, doesn't she? I was just there. Sorry, man, sorry. I was just there in Honduras, <laughs> August 4th through the 9th, for the first time in like 18 months. And I came into the school, and there she is in a brand new wheelchair. First time she has ever, and you, you know, that video is a little, so like in 40 years, it's the first time she's ever had a brand new wheelchair purchased for her from Elmhurst Christian Reformed Church. She was elated, yes, hello. Um, so, also, I mean, 
in Honduras, one of the first things we had to do when we bought the property before you could build the building was we had to build a wall because they'll rob you blind. And right now, without the school active, and there used to be kids that would sleep there and everything through the whole week, so there's always people there. Well, there's not as many people there now. And their electrical security fence is broken. And so Elmhurst Church found out about that. We just sent money there for, her, for them to fix the fence, fix the rain gutters. Um, so again, she was just elated, you know, just always hugs, always smiles. Um, so she has approximately 100 students and different uh, disabilities, whether they're deaf, uh, mentally, physically handicapped, etc. The most, the biggest majority of our students are deaf. And I just want to uh, say a few things. So one of the boys at the farm at the orphanage, his name was Jeffrey. You know, I've been going there for 30 years and I still don't know Spanish, right? So I certainly don't know sign language. So this poor kid, how do you communicate with him, right? So we were able to send him to Casa Ayuda and Nelly School. And some of the other kids then also started learning sign language. You know, like a Nan Lurup would show up, or uh, a Terry DeBoer, you saw him on the thing. They, were, they know the sign language. It just opened this kid's world up. It was just incredible to see. And one of the boys that, uh, uh, one of her students also, his name is Harrison, he wrote a little letter. Harrison came to Casa Ayuda for help at the age of 14. Due to his need for support in the educational area, because he is a deaf person, he had the experience of being in a regular school until the fourth grade but without acquiring the knowledge because he did not understand the commonly used oral language. When speaking of Casa Ayuda, he expresses that it was a great experience because he learned to communicate. Harrison says, where they taught me to work, they educated me, and I managed to get a Bachelor of Science in Humanities, and that allowed me to get a job. He says it was a great experience to meet more deaf people, to be in a school where they understood me and I understood them. I learned to understand many things and to gain knowledge of many subjects. Harrison says, I think my life would have been difficult without being able to read or write and without understanding everything that was happening. Maybe I would be doing jobs where I could be deceived or begging in the streets, but thank God they helped me. Here and now I can know because I can read and, I can, and so I am not deceived and I can fend for myself. You know, Helen Keller herself said that deafness was more difficult than blind. Now, I'm sure there's people who disagree with that, but it's a horrible thing. And Nellie is helping many children uh, to outgrow that. Um, so I just want to read in closing a letter that... Nellie wrote to your church. So, dear friends, I want to send you a warm greeting and my best wishes are that our Lord Jesus Christ bless you with much peace and joy in your heart. Today, I thank you infinitely for the support we are receiving from you. Personally, I feel like a favorite daughter of God, right? Having allowed me to be a direct beneficiary of you by equipping me with my wheelchair, which is a great blessing for me. Thanks. In the same way, thank you for keeping us in your mind and hearts by being aware of our needs. Casa Ayuda is very grateful to you for solving needs that we cannot cover by ourselves. Thank you for financing the electric fence and the rain gutters. 
Security is very necessary in Honduras because we live in a lot of violence and crime. With the electric fence, we will protect the property and all Casayuda belongings. In the same way, correcting the conduction of rainwater is necessary to keep the place free of water that promotes the proliferation of diseases from insects. God undoubtedly has us in his hands and has placed you also as a source of blessing that gives us joy and peace in a world so lacking in charity. Thank you. Thank you very much. And may our good God grant you the wishes of his heart. A big hug and always count on my prayers. Nellie hugs even bigger than Nick does. So, yeah. Uh, so, again, thank you, guys. You're a blessing. So I love it. Nellie has a gap in her life, and God turns it into the thing that she's going to do to help others with the same gap in their lives. Isn't that awesome? The, the, the comfort you receive from Jesus, you can pass on others. That's, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All right, so we have one last uh, set of guests, guests this morning. Nurmay Missions is here, Abel and Christus. I'm going to invite them up. Um, so we've kind of been in Jerusalem, city of Chicago, 10 miles away. Judea, which is Honduras, you know, it takes a little longer. And then, of course, if we went to the, the ends of the earth, we'd get to Nurmay Missions in Kenya. Come on over here in the light, guys, up here by me. There we go. So this is Abel and Krista. So you guys, can you tell me about the lay of the land of schools there in that area? Like, you know, where you, you saw this gap in education. You already talked about it in the children's mess a little bit. But what, what, what would be available for kids trying to go to school there? Um, we have, uh, there are public schools in Gotani, and they're very overcrowded. Um, you know, there are so many children, so they can find a classroom with more than 100 kids and one teacher. Um, there's also a gap in, like, materials. They don't have, you know, obviously you have that many students in the class, and not everybody even has a desk or uh, books. Right. And um, there are also no Christian, cools, Christian schools in Gotani. It's only the public Okay, so you, you have planted the, really the only Christian school there in Gotani. Yes. Now, last spring, we were super engaged in this. I don't know how many people know this or are still aware. We did a giving day, and we were working hard at raising money for this school in Kenya to build these extra classrooms. Because the kids in this school, when they got kindergarten, first and second grade, then they were, got done with second grade, there was nowhere for them to go to school, right? Right. So then they so, had to go where? Yeah, they had, they had to then go to the public school with, you know... 100 of their closest friends in class. <laughs> so you, all of you, were super generous, and you stood in the gap with these folks, and I got a little video for you, so check out the building of the school in uh, GoTime. Jesus, I'm free. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm free. I've got my freedom. 
just really can't explain. So when they ask me how I made it, I'll just point and say it's you. Cause I'm standing here today. Cause I've been delivered by the truth. Also in the name of Jesus. Something I'm just saying thank you. for the new class because I will not move to another school. I don't know if you're aware, but your donations built that whole building. That whole building was funded by Elmer's Church. So I just want to, I just want to point that out, right? Whole building. So, so Abel, what, what do you see? Uh, you know, there's so much more going on with these guys. They have a church in a dump site. They have a church in a village where there's no other churches. They have all kinds of stuff. Abel, give us some, give us some of your... Yeah, we got quite a, a lot of stuff going on right now, and uh, it's sometimes difficult just to focus on one, <laughs> <laughs> because there is so much need, and we are now focusing with uh, uh, focusing on the school because, um, as you're speaking about gaps, there is a huge gap. People do not know about Christ. We are in a village that, as the majority, Muslim is. You know, most of them are. Muslims and these kids coming to uh, Norman Christian Academy means more than just education, more than just the food. It means knowing Christ. It means changing a generation. That's what it means. And so that's why we are really, really focusing on the school because it gives us opportunities to share about Christ. Because the parents, they don't stop their kids from coming to the Bible school, uh, though it's against 
uh, the wishes and the wills of the most of the mosque leaders because they don't want their children to be changed. But the parents see that the kids have an opportunity, an opportunity to go to receive a quality education and also an opportunity to be fed, an opportunity for a brighter future. And uh, in doing so, gives us the opportunity to share Christ. So you, you planted a church in a dump, I think, didn't you? Yes. In a dump. Mm -hmm. People were living in the dump. You went there, planted a church, put up a structure. How many new believers are in that church now? Right now we have about 80 people that have given their lives to Jesus. 80 people have given their yeah. lives to Jesus yeah. in a dump. In a dump site. I love that. I in love a that. dump site. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. So we, there's people living, living there and they just go through the garbage piles without any protective gear and just to get something for, for food. And we used to pass there driving through with my wife and we just and I start seeing those things. I went, we got to do something for these people. We got to do something. And there were two years. Two years. And we have to do something. We have to do something. But we didn't have resources to do that. But all of a sudden, God provided through this partnership with Elmer's Christian. So I keep hearing this theme this morning. Like, so you see these gaps. You think there's no way we can ever do this. We yep. don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the talent. We don't have the anything. But when you get your feet wet in the river, God shows up and crazy things start to happen. Yeah, let me tell you one thing. I am from Mozambique. I'm, okay. I serve in Kenya, but I am from a different country in Africa, speak Portuguese. That's why my English is a little bit complicated or difficult to understand. So I have been in Kenya for the past 16 years, 17 years now serving. And when I went to Kenya, I only went with a backpack. Literally, a backpack and my clothing on my body, I had nothing. And I said, if I do it, I do it. If I die, I die. But I'm going to go and respond to that need. There are villages that have no church, villages that have no knowledge of Christ. And I'm going to go there, and I will bring transformation for the glory of Christ. And all these things start happening. Another one, Gap, we were talking about the school, about the school, the first building, we're about done the first bill we started with we didn't have anything when my wife also moved to Kenya she just came with our suitcase and our beauty and nothing else <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have anything anything and we started the school just uh, we wanted just to build um, uh, a shelter a small a gazebo and we said, okay, that's all we have. And we want to help people. We, let's bring education here and let's help these kids know Jesus. And we started. Just we wanted to buy some few pieces of uh, right. uh, just sticks and put around. And the first building is round because when we started, God started providing. Yeah. We started round foundation, round sticks. And I put the sticks around. And God provided to put some concrete pillars. We put we put the roofing, and the walls came, provision for the walls came, and the windows. And we have a round, the first classroom is, is funny, is it's round. Yeah. And then I was in South Carolina, we came, and she was wearing a, a Kenyan t-shirt. We went to church, and there was a lady saw that t-shirt, called us, said, hey, what about that t-shirt? They said, I, I serve in Kenya as a missionary. Oh, cool. And she had some friends. She went and told these friends about us, about Norway missions. And the friend said, okay, we want to meet them. We met briefly, and uh, after some time, the husband of the lady said, okay, I want to have a lunch with you. We went and started having lunch. 
And then all of a sudden, the two of us, we start crying. There was other two ladies in the restaurant just would look at us. This must be very problematic, man. <laughs> Sharing their miseries. And we were talking about Christ, about the missions, about the project. And this big old man crying. Yeah. And the two of us crying. And then we would just sipping our Joyce and some food. <laughs> right? And guess what? We're like brothers from another Yeah, and guess what? In the end, it just said, I speak about the school. He yeah. writes a check. He said, here is $50,000. To build the school. Go and build the first building. <laughs> and we did. God provides. All right. All right. Hey, these people are going to want to go home at some point, so we got to stop you guys. So, um, so, hey, you really seriously have to catch. And I, I don't know if you caught this this morning. In all honesty, Brian said it earlier when we introduced the service, but... Catching, being with these missionaries, guys, catch the mission heart of God. God wants you to have the same experiences. It doesn't mean you're moving to Africa. How can you step out into the gaps and see the Lord show up in amazing ways, right? Like you're there for these missionaries, right? So I know there's more plans for another addition to the school. We're going to be there involved. We're going to be pumped to get be part of that, all right? All right, I'm going to send you guys down. But, oh, no, actually, stay up here. Johnny and Chris, can you come up here? Alan, can you come back? Kathy, can you come up and pray over these folks? Kathy is coming up to pray over these folks. We're still going to take communion. I know that, fortunately, there's no Bears game today, so we're good, right? Even if there was, who cares, really, right? All right, all right. So, all right, so let's, let's get Kathy up here. She's going to pray over these guys, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together, which is awesome. So we're giving a little extra time to God this morning. The children's workers will be killing me after the service, but it's okay. Kathy Focus is one of our elders here at ECRC. So lead us in prayer, Kathy, over these servants of God. Well, personally, I'd like to say it's been an awesome service, and I'd like to extend my sincere thanks to each one of you for um, participating and encouraging us in our worship experience today. Over the past several months, I have had the privilege of being part of the mission team here at Elmer's Christian Reform Church. I've learned a lot about each one of our missionary partners, and including the three of you. Um, and I would like to personally encourage anyone who has the nudge of the Holy Spirit just to check out what the mission team really does to speak to one of our missionary team members or to Pastor Jeff. So if you feel so led and are able, would you please extend your hands to our missionary partners so we can pray over them? Father God, as it is written in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You have blessed us in abundance with some beautiful and amazing individuals who bring the good news to others from Jerusalem to Judea and to the ends of the earth. Thank you so very much, Father God, for bringing Krista and Abel, Johnny and Chris, Al and Bob to our congregation today. As a congregation, we are thankful that we had the opportunity to see and envision the work that they are doing in various parts of the world, accomplishing great things for your honor and glory. We thank you, too, for our other missionary partners, Cliff and Christine Weiner, John and Karen Self, Mike and Gloria Vanderdyke. Thank you for the variety of work that they do to advance your kingdom. 
You have richly blessed each one of these men and women with the gift of discipleship so they can bring the good news of the gospel to those who haven't had the opportunity to hear the message of salvation. We know you are doing amazing things in the lives and communities, and they are richly touched by these missionaries. They are your faithful servants. We pray for those that hear the gospel of salvation. Open their hearts and minds to accept the truth of your word and your love. Give each missionary clarity in their words and actions as they speak the truth boldly, yet with love and grace. Allow them to continue to be agents of change in their area of the world, whether it's domestically or abroad. Heavenly Father, keep our missionary partners safe, especially in parts of the world that are hostile even in this ever-changing world. Protect them from physical harm and from spiritual warfare. We know Satan will do anything he can to destroy your kingdom. I ask that you continue to give these servants power to overcome the enemy. Continue to guide and direct this congregation, allowing these partnerships to grow and flourish for the advancement of your kingdom. We are so fortunate to have the honor of continually serving our, our prayer and financial support to these men and women as they bring the good news of Jesus into the many parts of the world. We pray this all in your precious, precious name. Amen.